Welcome the founder and host of BuddyCast, Nick Sorensen. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of everybody's favorite show, BuddyCast. I'm your host, Nick Sorensen, and joining me today is a new buddy, my buddy, Mr. Tom New. How you doing, buddy? Thank you very much. Thank you, Nick. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So, Tom, you are you are the head of one of the most well-run programs here in Erie, Pennsylvania, WQLN. How did your How did your time at WQLN come to be? Um, by accident, and I think that if you asked anybody, you know, what they did to get their job, um, if they were being truthful, they would say there was just a happy accident. I moved to Erie in 1978. I worked at WJET, mm-hmm. and um, I got involved with public radio first in 1972, listening to the broadcasts of the Watergate hearings um, that that went through to 1973. And I think that that was WDUC where I listened to those. But anyway, so that's where I first got connected with public broadcasting, moved to Erie in 78. And um, I would listen to WQLN a lot in my office. And my boss, Myron Jones, when he would come by, he would say, um, you know, Tom, we have a radio station that you can listen to. You don't have to listen to this one. But I've always been, I've always had a special place in my heart for WQLN. I started to volunteer at the station in 1983. And I've done things with the station over the years. But it was finally in 1998, I was putting in enormous hours at my job at WJET and my wife was kind of hoping that I could find something that would keep me with our younger kids a little bit more than than I was, you know, spending time with them. And an entry level job opened up at WJ or up WQLN and I took it. So I was um, a, a director at WJET and I walked away from that and I walked into an entry level job and kind of started all over again at the age of 43. Mm-hmm. So that's what got me to WQLN. First of all, it was a love of public broadcasting. It was an opportunity to get off of a treadmill I wasn't enjoying and into something that I would enjoy. Mm-hmm. From one former WJET employee to another, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, I, I was there right with, at the beginning of all of that, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so- Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, no, I was I was just saying it was um, the the one thing that I try to um, do with my staff, and and you can never do this because when you're the boss, you're the old man, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, um, there's always going to be some leeriness of, you know, doing I don't know, buddies with the with the boss, um, but I've, I but I've been trying to. Um, include a spirit to WQLN. And it was something that I experienced way back 
in the early 1980s with John Kansas and Myron Jones and Ken Fanazzini, you know, because growing up, growing your professional life up through broadcasting in Erie, Pennsylvania was something that was very special. And I, I try to share some of that uh, with the staff today. I don't think that that, um, whatever that special thing was, I don't know that that exists with um, the, you know, the other stations in town today, because it, it can't, they've, they've got out of town ownership and, you know, you don't have that Mr. Fuzzy Wink kind of a relationship. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You got it. So let's go back to the beginning. What sparked, okay. your interest, what sparked your interest in broadcasting to begin with, like into the career that you're in today? Um, well, you know, when I was in high school, um, I got into a program. Uh, my career began as in art. You know, um, I went to the Art Institute of Pittsburgh. I got a degree there. And then I went to um, do my internship at WTTG in Washington. But the real start of my interest in television, well, number one, everybody's interested in television. And if you were to go back to 1968, you would see that. You know, I mean, All you had to do was visit every house in my neighborhood. They decorated their living rooms around TV. They made special dinners just for TV. I mean, TV was something that was perfect. It could never be improved upon. And in high school, I had a, um, a great teacher, Joseph Yablonski, and he recognized um, how, you know, my thing with television and radio. Um, and um, he had me doing projects as though I was working for a station called WTOM or WNEW. <laughs> and some of that, especially the WNEW part, um, I had a pretty good stereo system when I was a kid in high school. I listened to a lot of music, a lot of music. I worked at a local public library, and so I got a lot of albums. Right. And, you know, that was always like playing. And I got my sisters to sing jingles for this imaginary radio station. And they would sing W-N-E-W radio. (laughs) So so high school was all about television and radio. And um, I went to Penn State because my father wanted me to become a teacher. And that didn't work out all that well, because that was the furthest thing from you know, what I wanted to do. Um, And so I was able to get transfer from Penn State to the Art Institute and had some phenomenal teachers there. Flavia Zortia was fantastic. Um, She's an artist that you'll never run into again. Uh, Tom Koros was another amazing um, um, painter. And, you know, they were very critical of my work but at the same time, there was always some little trap door that they would get me to improve on that work. And so I graduated from, well, I did an internship in Washington, and then I graduated from the Art Institute. And um, I, you know, I took a job in Erie. My plan was to be in Erie for only about a year or two and go to a bigger market, but something happened, you know, and I, I just stayed here for 40 plus years. I think I'm 45 years now. I'm only smiling because isn't that everyone's plan? I'm just going to be yeah. here for a year and that's it, you know, and then I'm going somewhere bigger. And then what happens? 
Yeah, well, you, you know, yeah. what, ha what happened was probably my wife. I mean, she mm -hmm. and I came up to visit Erie um, the year before. You know, we came up here to before graduation and loved it. You know, I mean, and then um, once I got out of school, I applied for a job at Carnegie Library and KDKA. And I said to my wife, you know, there are TV stations up in Erie. Why don't I just, so I drove up here by myself and I was looking for the towers and I saw Jets towers and I just kind of navigated. I didn't know where they were, but I found where they were and their artist just happened to have left the station. So they didn't even put an ad out and wow. I applied for the job and I got that at Jet and I was there for 21 years. But the, the thing that, um, the thing that we liked about the big city was all the things that are so great about a big city. But the thing that we loved about Erie was it felt so much like visiting her cousins in Aliquippa, my cousins in Beaver or Freedom. There was just something that um, was very familiar about this town and we couldn't leave it. Love it. What do you love about Erie today? Uh, right now, today, the thing that I um, think that um, I love most is probably my jealousy for younger people. You know, um, coming up through Erie when I did in the 70s and the 80s, I mean, it was a, it was a pretty horrible town. You know, we still had the grain elevators and the dock was like, you know, I mean, there, there were lots of coal and mess down on the bayfront. But if I was a 30-year-old and I wanted to find a town to make my professional mark in, Erie is the town and now is the time to do it because we see that there are a lot of things. You know, there's always been buzz here inside of Erie land, but never anything like what we have today. Just look at our art museum, right? Visit the Hagen History Center. We've never had anything like that. And then the way that the downtown is coming around, I think that, um, I think that the Erie of 20 years from now is going to be the city I've always wanted to visit on vacation and maybe stay there and live. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Absolutely love it. So you're very passionate about what you do, obviously. What wakes you up in the morning going, I get to go to work today rather than I get to go to work today, you know? Well, um, I don't know. I, a long time ago, probably when I was in my 20s, um, I started to try to become a runner. And, um, you know, it really, let me see, my daughter is going to turn 37. So it wasn't really until she was born that I got into it seriously, that I would run every day. And I've run every race, you know, the 3K, the 5K, 10K marathon, half, my last half marathon was in 2015. And so I do that every morning. That gets me fired up. Um, I also have um, go-to music going into work just because, you know, it, it. I noticed a long time ago that people come to work with a bit of cobwebs. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, they're not really a whole lot of fun to be around until lunchtime. right? But, but if you're if you're going into work and you're listening, if you're cranking up Bruce Springsteen on the stereo, you hit the ground running right at the beginning of the day. You were born to run. Yeah. Well, actually, you know, what my my go to is is um, light a day. 
I love Ooh. the way that begins with the uh, drum solo. Mm -hmm. and, the, and the thing that I think is so interesting about it, it's a song that absolutely gets me fired up. It's about a guy who just lost his job in Detroit. He lost his girl. He's driving to Texas. He's hoping to get a job. And his only feeling of redemption is I'm a little down under, but I'm feeling okay because just around the corner is the light of day. <laughs> I love it. And I'm singing that out loud. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> hey, I'm a big fan of 10th Avenue Freeze Out, you know? You know what? That is such a good song. Mm -hmm. I, and, uh, you know, not to spend too much time on oh, spring. Please, we could talk about Bruce Springsteen all day. <laughs> but I saw this guy. The first time that I saw him was in 1972. I was with a bunch of friends of mine. And we went to Shenley Park in Pittsburgh to see Richie Havens. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was another band that um, stole the show. We had no idea who that band was. And it was about six months later, my brother came home. Was it six months later? No, it was probably 1974. My brother came home from college. And he had the Wild and the Innocent and the East Street Shuffle and um, Incident on 57th Street. And I was playing those albums and it was like this guy was, you know, the, the bands I listened to in the 1960s were the Beatles and Bob Dylan. Mm -hmm. If they got married and had a baby, it would be Bruce Springsteen. I said, that's who this guy is. But when I played it for my, my friends, they said, that's the guy we saw with Richie Havens. And they were right about that. Um, I started dating my wife soon after that. We've seen him in small halls in Pittsburgh and we've since seen him in arenas and there's something about him that is really the kind of person you want to model your career after, you know, because Absolutely. it's all about the work and it's all about getting the work right. There are a couple of other people in pop culture that I think fall into that category, like Stephen King. Mm -hmm. I know that he had his issues with um, addiction for a time but he's always been about the work. He's been about getting it right and making sure that other people like that. Steven Spielberg is like that. You mm -hmm. know, there's George Lucas, there are a handful of people that fall into that category. Mm -hmm. You remind me a lot of my favorite Elton John. You know, he's that right. Like you said, fell to addiction, but now it's all about the music. It's all about yeah. the fan, yeah. you know? Yeah. And you know what? Um, uh, the last Elton John album I got was the one that he did with um, Leon Russell, The Union. It was fabulous. Mm -hmm. It was fabulous. It was. I saw him in Cleveland on his farewell tour, and you knew every song. You knew every word, you know, and they were all the class. It wasn't this, well, we're trying this new song today, so I hope you like it. It was, here's, a here's something that's going to bring you back to your days, and for you younger generation, here's something that's going to inspire you today. And then he plays like Tiny Dancer, you know, or he plays. Um, How about that scene in the film Almost Famous where they play Tiny Dancer? Mm -hmm. That that's that really tells you what a song can do. 100%. There was also there's a story about a group of people in Ireland who got together for this girl. Her name was Lily May. Mm -hmm. She was a young um, cancer patient. And they all got together, sang as a chorus, and sang Tiny Dancer. And it is, Beautiful. I'll have to send you the video. It is one of the most heartwarming yeah. videos you will ever see Could, in your life. Please do that. I'd love to see that. Yes. And speaking of Elton John, his percussionist was on this show. Really? Yes. What, you know what, Nick? I'm gonna. I'm about to break your heart. 
I was I was dating a girl in high school, Maria Wellston, and um, Elton John was coming to Pittsburgh in 1972, and tickets were really expensive. They were $3.50. And so I, I was doing extra jobs around the neighborhood because I needed $7 for the show. Plus, I also needed some other money to take her out to dinner afterwards and gas to get downtown. Mm-hmm. And back. So I had to generate $25 for this date to see Elton John Civic Arena in Pittsburgh. And when I think of that today, you know, $25 probably wouldn't buy you a soda at an Elton John concert. Probably not. Probably not. If you got tickets for that cheap at an Elton John concert today, <laughs> I would ask, who do you know? Who do you know? Who do you, I don't know anybody. Yeah. But his percussionist was truly magnificent on this show. And we got the guy who fills in for Elton during rehearsals. So really? Elton still has time to be with his family and everything. This guy will rehearse with the band. So, they, so they're they still up to tune. That's but, awesome. Mm-hmm. So now I got to ask you about some mutual buddies that we have. Okay. All right. The, the first one is Cindy Spazarni. Yep. yep. She's a good family friend of ours. I'm wondering how you guys met and what do you think of her today? Um, well, I'm, I'm crazy about Cindy. Cindy mm-hmm. and I, uh, Cindy started working at the at WQLN just over 20 years ago. I think that, I think she started in 2000. I mean, if, if she came back and said 2001 or 2002, I wouldn't argue with her because she gets math better than anybody. But um, before I had this job, um, she and I, um, Cindy and I and Lisa, Canassi, another person at the station, we would do different events together for WQL. And I think that we became fairly close. But when I took the job of president, um, we, Cindy and I really became a partner. You know, the firm of Spazarni and New. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, you know, we were Martin and Lewis at, at times. We were Simon and Garfunkel. We were Fred Astaire and whatever her name was. But um, all, all of the skills that I don't have, and there's a lot, I mean, you can fill a library full of things that I don't know. Cindy's got that, you know, and um, I balance that with, you know, whatever it is that, that, I, that I do that I bring to the table. But um, she and I have had some rough years at WQLN trying to figure out um, how we could keep the stations going. You know, I mean, 2000. 14, 15, and 16, there was no hope for a continuation of WQLN. But we we figured it out and we did it together. When the pandemic started, because we fought all the wars together Mm -hmm. and, you know, we we knew where all the danger was when the pandemic started, um, she and I had a meeting every morning at 7.30 just to figure out where we were. And I think that we figured out that we could keep the station's going until the end of June. And um, we made some bold decisions during that time, um, some crazy decisions, but I think that they were the right decisions. And they, they pretty much boiled down to, as long as we're going out, as long as everything's going to go dark, let's go out with our best selves. Let's do the best possible job ever. And so we started doing crazy things like inviting teachers 
to um, start doing classroom lessons on television. You know, we um, we did something that nobody else has done in our system anyway. We decided be, since the kids in this area are not going to have a graduation ceremony, let's give them one. And so we did a broadcast that was um, six hours on a Saturday, five hours on a Sunday. We had every kid's graduation photograph and we honored every school in Warren, Erie and Crawford County. And then we got people to give advice to these kids to act as, you know, their graduation speaker. Tom Ridge was brilliant. We got a lot of folks from PBS, everybody from the news hour, Judy Woodworth, Amna Nawaz was out of control. Some, some of the heart you know, the really heartfelt messages to these kids. Maybe my favorite was the one that we got from Tom Hanks, but it was just, it was just a great project. And um, I, I kind of think that because we made the hard decision to do the good work that we prospered from that, you know, and um, right now the station is, has never been in the shape that it is right now. We've got an endowment. We've never had an endowment like we have today. Um, we're producing content again, but not, you know, the content that you would expect from a small market station. This is big market content. Um, so, you know, I've I've never been more excited about the work, and it's largely because of this crazy partnership that Cindy and I were able to put together. What an inspiring story, <laughs> and it truly, you know. I heard this in a movie once. If you're going out, you're going out loony, you know? <laughs> Might as well go. You know, because what what was most interesting about that, the one of the things that's different between me and Cindy is that, look, you give me a good idea. I say, boom, we're going to go with it. Cindy will need a little bit of time to think about it. I mean, that's how we balance each other out. But this yeah. was the only time that we were both on board with making quick, fast decisions. So you're the guy, like the head in the clouds, the whole, the dreamer, the everything. And she's the one, okay, Tom, back to earth. Back, to, back it up. That's right. Exactly right. Here's how we can do it, but back to earth, you know? Mm-hmm. So another mutual buddy I wanted to ask you about has also been on this show by the name of David Newell. Speedy Delivery. Speedy yep. Delivery. Uh, David and I have been friends for years. You know, we connected... Um, one of the things that I've always thought was important, um, not only for the job that I'm in right now, but the job that I had before this was to make close connections with um, our colleagues at the PBS stations around Pennsylvania. And it was very easy to connect with the good folks at WQED. And David and I have known each other for every bit of 15, if not 20 years. And he's just such a kind, genuine person. Mm-hmm. I, you know, David is just, I don't know if you remember this, but um, I think that it was Christmas time of 2018 when we got 10 feet of snow. Mm-hmm. You know, we really got buried and my kids were coming in for the holidays and I was, you know, trying to keep snow off of the driveway. Anyway, I was out shoveling and I got a call from David, you know, and, and I took the phone out of my coat and I'm talking to David Knoll. And he says, Tom, I just wanted to 
find out, make sure that everybody's okay up there. I'm hearing about all this snow. And so, you know, I, I started telling him about it. It was a lot of snow and, you know, stories about the snow and everything. And he said, well, look, you take care. And um, I hope that um, springtime you'll be able to get a speedy delivery. And I got off the phone and, you know, I had to think for a second. Here I am in Erie, Pennsylvania, shoveling snow. And I just got a call from Mr. McFeely. I mean, when I was, um, you know, in seventh, eighth, ninth grade, I, I would watch that show because at the time, and there were only four TV stations that you could watch. And Mr. Rogers was one of the shows that you would watch all the time for, mm -hmm. a, lot, for a lot of good reasons. But, it, you know, I, I just thought, how lucky am I? I mean, he called me on my cell phone. <laughs> just, mm -hmm. He's a very good guy. He is. He gave a very well, very well interview. Told some very great stories of Fred. He mm -hmm. really was a great, great buddy. I also wanted to... Um, if, if I could just share one other story. Go ahead. Um, so we did a thing, the Pennsylvania Stations. And it was a, an award that we gave out every year. It was the Good Neighbor Award. And... Um, one year, um, uh, let me see, I, maybe it's 2007 or eight. I don't know. It's all a blur, the, the years, but the event wasn't. So um, um, Mary Alice Brown, we nominated her for the Good Neighbor Award, and she won. And so um, I met her in Harrisburg for the award ceremony. And one of the other people that was being honored at the time was Elsie Hillman. And you'll recognize her name, the Hillman Cancer Center in Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, people referred to her as the 17th wealthiest woman in the United States. Well, at the award ceremony, Joanne Rogers gave out the awards. And so when the ceremony was done, we were going out to dinner afterwards. And I got stuck taking out Joanne Rogers, Mary Alice Brown, and Elsie Hillman. And for me to see those three women chat and have fun and drink Manhattans, it is a memory that I'll have for the rest of my life. Because here's Mary Alice Brown from Erie, Pennsylvania, and she's laughing and giggling and leaning on Elsie Hillman, the 17th wealthiest woman in America, and they're all hugging Joanne Rogers. It was a night I'll never forget. And that was... Um, um, uh, David Newell was a big part of that night because he was doing MC duties. That's awesome. Yeah. And you're right. You'll never forget that night. I yeah. guarantee you. So I got to ask, you mentioned Tom Hanks earlier. What did you think about that movie? What did you think about the Mr. Rogers movie with Tom Hanks? Um, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I love the movie. Number one, I thought mm -hmm. that it was brilliant. And um, my concern was that you could do a caricature of Fred Rogers and it would be enormously successful. I mean, just think of Eddie Murphy in Mr. Roberts' Neighborhood. I mean, if that was a movie, that would be, you know, a box office hit. But my concern was, is I was familiar with the article that the movie was based on. And, you know, I was just worried that it wasn't going to be a true portrayal. It was, it really, it really was. And in the one scene that I think was the most telling moment is people had left the studio. 
the WQED studio and he's playing the piano and he gets angry and he bangs the keys, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody gets angry. Nobody ever thinks that Mr. Rogers would get angry, but that, that was, that was such a strong cinematic moment, you know? And so I, th- I think that they, I think they did a very good job of, of bringing him to life mm-hmm. in a respectful way. Love it too. I think Tom Hanks was born for that for the role of Mr. Rogers. You know, Tom the- Hanks is in my mind. He's our Jimmy Stewart for our generation. Mm-hmm. There's nobody like him. Exactly. Now, buddy, I got a quick question from the audience. Have you ever heard of this place called the Puzzle Place, by chance, or do Wait, we know about the Puzzle Place? The Puzzle Place. I do not know what the Puzzle Place is. Hmm. Um, I don't know what that is. Me either. I was just, uh, I like to take questions from the audience every now and then, you know? So, but one thing I will be, we'll be right back, buddy. We're going to play a quick word from our sponsors. Good. We'll be right there. So don't go anywhere. I won't. Hi, buddies. Are you thinking of moving to the Erie area? Well, look no further than tonight's BuddyCast, because tonight's BuddyCast has been brought to you by my buddy, Paul Kitchen at Remax. Licensed for over 30 years. Paul has been serving the Erie area, not only buy and sell houses, but find their forever homes. You know, Paul's a special buddy of mine. He's been on an episode of BuddyCast where you can learn all about his services. You don't have to go anywhere else. But if you want to learn more about Paul, you can simply give him a call at 814-898-3558. Now go be like my buddy, Paul. Go be someone's buddy. Thank you for tuning in to BuddyCast. Hope you're enjoying tonight's episode. All the best. And that was a word from my buddy Paul at Remax. Nice. If you're ever in the if you're ever in the Erie area and you need a new home or you know looking to relocate, Paul's the man. Nice, nice. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to WQLN, what I know this is like asking who your favorite child is, but <laughs> when it comes to WQLN, what are some of your favorite programs? Well, there are a lot. There are a lot. Um, the, the one thing that I've always liked the most about both WQLN, our radio station, and our TV station is news. And, um, you know, I, I particularly like the news hour. And the one thing that has happened lately that's, that I've in, enjoyed this show so much more for is, you know, we are watching television differently these days. We're not coming home, sitting around the TV and putting it on and, and, and watching a program at the time that's meant to be broadcast. I mean, all of our stuff we're watching on streaming devices. Uh, there are a couple of things that are watched live on TV that, that happens on a regular basis, and that is newscasts and sporting events. And I read an editorial last August in the New York Times called, Why is College Football Breaking My Heart? And the point of the article was, is because those are the only programs that are attracting advertisers, a college football game that maybe should be, I don't know, 90 minutes long is now three hours long because you have to suffer through, not suffer, you have to enjoy so many commercial announcements. Um, It's also true with news. When I was over at Jet, my memory, and remember, my memory can never be trusted, is that a newscast would have no more than seven minutes of commercial content in there. And I've been meaning to 
check that today just to see if that's changed. And I, I suspect that the number these days is closer to 12 minutes. So I love the news hour and I love the fact that it doesn't have commercials in it um, because, you know, it's not, um, uh, they don't have to produce a program to keep sponsors happy. But then once you get past that, I'm amazed at the news hour. You know, if you have to produce um, a one hour newscast that's cut up by commercial breaks, you can do your story or your spots. You can take a break and breathe. The news hour does 56 straight minutes of news without a stop. And that's unheard of, you know, in this country. And so that's where I begin my basis for the programs I like the best. So it's like news hour, it's morning edition, it's all things considered, it's any of the programs we have on Friday night, like Washington Week, Firing Line. Frontline is probably, without a doubt, the best magazine program I've ever seen. And I'm, I'm comparing it to 60 Minutes, which is a pretty good news magazine program. Um, now, those are the, the national programs. Mm -hmm. um, we were just able to begin a series at WQLN that I am enormously proud of. It's called Chronicles. And Chronicles is a 26-episode history of Erie, Pennsylvania, or Erie, the greater Erie area. And, um, you know, it's led by a very good team. The equipment is excellent. Every episode is cinemagraphic in nature. So you're really looking at 30-minute films. We just had on the story about Pithole, Pennsylvania. That was fabulous. And the way that the program was put together was brilliant. Before that was the first episode of Joyce Savacchio. You know, seeing a lot of those people from um, back during the Savacchio administration, the 1990s again, it was great seeing that. But just seeing Joyce again, you know, so I'm just very proud of, the, of this um, series. And, you know, I would encourage anyone to go to our website. Um, they're available for free and watch the two episodes of Rum Runners because you'll get an appreciation for Erie that you've just never had before. For, our, for people that aren't in Erie, what is that website? WQLN.org. And we you can watch these programs on PBS Passport. Passport is um, a free viewing app for um, PBS programs. We keep a lot of our programs behind the payroll wall, but all of Chronicles is in front of the paywall. So you'll be able to watch all of those shows. Love it. So when it comes to WQLN, what are your hopes for 2023? Um, you know, maybe it's bigger than 2023. Maybe it's more of the mm. hope for what's happening with the industry right now. Um, television is changing, right? I mean, I would be a fool to tell you that it's not changing. Radio is changing. You want to listen to the radio programs that you want to listen to when you want to listen to them, right? I mean, we have a program on um, Friday nights called Sonic Sounds. It's on at 10 o'clock. You know, um, I'm never awake on Friday night at 10 o'clock to hear Sonic <laughs> Sounds. We have, a, we have a great variety program on Saturday night. Chris and Julie Moore do what I think is the most eerie-centric program that's ever been on our airwaves, and it's called Next to You. But often, you know, I'm either at the fill, I'm visiting grandbabies, I'm not listening to it. 
So we need to figure out how to make this content available for when people want to listen to it, when they want to listen to it. Um, and that's very true with television. So the direction of television in this market is going in one of two different ways. One way, it's either going to be all app-driven broadcasting. The other way, <coughs> excuse me, is that we go to the next um, format of broadcast, ATSC3, which is an IP broadcast. So we'll be broadcasting internet connectivity instead of just pictures and sound. Brilliant. Brilliant. What about your personal career goals? <clears throat> well, you know, um, I'm not a kid anymore, right? Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of things that I want to make right for WQLN. There are a lot of things that I, I want to do in this community. Um, it, um, I began my life as an illustrator. I was, I'm, a, I'm a cartoonist. Um, some of my pieces on the wall behind me there. Um, it, it, I, think, I think personally what I'd like to do is I'd like to be able to get back into illustration. And one of my, one of my goals is um, I did this for my, my grandkids. Um, I made them books you know, they're, they're kids' cartoon books, but they're very personalized just to them, you know. Um, and um, I think that um, at some point, I'd like to begin working on a graphic novel of the history of Erie. And Ooh. except, except um, I don't want to get bothered by facts. You know, so my idea is it's called its, um, the book is called It's Snowing in Erie, an unresearched history of my hometown. I'd love to just include all of those stories that I heard from all the old goats over the years. You know, um, the folks I knew from either at the Erie Times News or through broadcasting and get those into a, into a comic book. That sounds wonderful. And when you get that published, you know where to promote it. <laughs> right here on BuddyCast. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You'll have to send me the first copy. I will do well. Uh, now, the last two books I published, I, they were they each were for an audience of two. So my mm. numbers aren't big. And now it's an audience of three. <laughs> now it's an audience of three. Awesome. So, buddy, you mentioned it earlier. We can go to WQLN.org to learn more about WQLN. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. And, and, you know, the... The thing about WQLN, I mean, you know, we've got all of our information. Um about the station on the website. <laughs> Excuse me, I should have had a glass of water. If I one more sip and I'll be good. But the thing about WQLN, it's not just a TV station or a radio station or a website. Um, it it is just the most unique of all broadcast entities. And the thing that makes it so unique are the people that work there. Right. You know, so um, it could be anybody, you know, from like Aaron Cosio, our chief chief engineer at the station, Lisa Canassi, Shannon Farrar. I mean, all these people, you'll hear about them or you'll hear them at um, on pledge events and things like that. But also they'll be hosting auction and they'll be walking in the St. Patrick's Day Parade this weekend. They'll be at all of our events. Um they truly care 
for what they do and what they provide the community. And I, when I think of WQLN, instead of thinking of diodes and resistors and nuts and bolts, I think of the people that work there that, that really make it into a, a, I don't know, a human experience. You know, it's, it's a, a people-y kind of a place that- it's um, a family. Yeah, yeah. Well, it some days it feels like that. Some days it feels like a family that gets along really, really well, and then there are other days that we get along better than that. <laughs> no, but I, I, I think that like my experience over the years with WQLN has always been the people that have worked there. I mean, that's always been the 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 magnet. So um, I don't know, like Tom McLaren you know, or Paul Brown, some of these guys that were at WQLN long before I was there, um, were the people that kind of like drew me in and, and many of the hosts, you know, uh, the on-air hosts. Love it. I got a follow-up question. If you could go back in time today and see yourself how many years ago when you're first starting at WQLN, what would you tell yourself today? Oh boy. You know what? That, that's a good question. Um, it would probably be something like, um, you know, you don't have to be nervous all the time. Um, you are making good contributions, even though you might not think that they're good enough. Right. Um, maybe have more confidence in, in what you're doing. Um, yeah, yeah, you know that that's that's an interesting question. It would be something, you know. I was I was given um, a lot of opportunity working in broadcasting in Erie, and um, the whole time um, it was really the kindness of some great people that I had an opportunity to work with, like Myron Jones and John Kansas, and the folks that were over at WQLN, Brady Lewis, you know. Um, and so maybe maybe another thing that I would say is that um, I should get out of my shell and maybe say thank you a lot more often to these folks because, you know, I want to say thank you today, but they're just not around. Mm. There you you did it, Nick. You absolutely brought me down. <laughs> <laughs> but the point of Buddy Cass is to bring you up, you know? <laughs> I know, I know. Oh, so, buddy, we got to stamp this as a buddy cast with two more questions. Okay. The first one is brought to us by my buddy Jonas Kane at hashtag positivity. He wants to know, in your own words, what does it mean to be someone's buddy? Well, you know, it's easy to be somebody's buddy, right? I mean, you know, you just say that you're somebody's buddy. But I think that when it re- when you really get into the weeds, um, that key part of that friendship is knowing that friendship is fragile and it's something that always needs to be taken care of. And if you ever lose a friend, it's hard to get that friend back. So you've got to be respectful um, and everything that goes with that word respectful, you know, you've got, you've you've got to be a good friend. Exactly. You got to be a buddy in order to have a buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. And the final question I have for you tonight is what we call the ultimate buddy cast buddy question. You ready Uh for this one? (laughs) For anyone out there who wants to have a career in public television, what is your advice to them? 
Uh, go after it. Now is probably the most exciting time to be in broadcasting, period. And Erie, Pennsylvania, as a small market station, um, if you work at uh, WQLN, if you work at any of the stations, and if you want to work hard, you can do a lot of different things. You know, when I was at JET, I was only doing artwork, but I learned how to edit. I learned how to do other additional things. But, you know, I mean, I was putting in the extra hours. What we were doing back in the 1980s doesn't even come close to what's happening today. I mean, look at this. You're doing a live interview on the Internet. The first mm -hmm. time we ever did anything like this in Erie was for the, um, uh, I think it was the 84 Olympics, you know, where we had to actually set up a dish at the station to do this connection to um, Kathleen Sullivan at ABC in Los Angeles. And it was hard. But I mean, you can do all of this stuff today. So I think that today is probably the golden age of broadcasting period. And there are so many skills and so many things that a person can learn to do and actually do um, in broadcasting today. That it's just the best time ever. Uh -huh. I hope there was an answer there. So was the question, is it a good idea to get into broadcasting or what would you do if What's you, your advice? What would your advice be to someone who comes up to you and says, I want to go into television? Yeah, jump in, the, jump in the deep end. Jump in the deep end. Do a cannonball. Great answer. Yeah. All righty, buddy. Stick around for a minute. We'll chat afterwards. Okay. Yeah. But for my buddies out there, this is my buddy, Tom New. Please check out WQLN. It's a wonderful educational station. It's got everything from PBS with kids shows to education to Things that are going around Erie, it really highlights Erie. That's what I love about it. But thank you, Tom, for being a buddy here on BuddyCast. Thank you, Nick. And I have one favor to ask you before we close out this show. Whatever you do today, tomorrow, next week, next month, or even next year, please promise me you'll go out and be someone's buddy. <laughs> easy, easy promise to make. Awesome. We'll catch you all next time here. Okay on everybody's favorite show, BuddyCast. Well, the days are going fast Buddy, buddy, we've got to make them last Buddy, buddy, before they've all gone past Buddy, buddy, tune in to BuddyCast Don't be lonely, go make it, buddy Here on BuddyCast Hey, buddies, you thinking of starting your own podcast? Why not use Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast, and here's why. First off, it's free. Secondly, you have creation tools to record and edit right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor distributes for you. You can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Fourth, make money with no minimum listenership. And finally, you have everything you need for a podcast all in one place. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started.